so you've been here for a you've been here like the all whole time all the time all, all the whole, your whole life my whole life and i'm an atlanta native atlanta native and so you've done countless things in the community but i want to take it way back i want to go take it back to the old school let's take it to union square so what were the the things that you saw growing up that led you to your purpose now oh wow um and i will say that i am an abc an adamsville black child okay in that i was um Born in the in and of the community, grandparents lived by Frederick Douglass High School. Uh-huh. Uh, were pa- uh, teachers in the Atlanta public school system. Grandfather taught shop mm-hmm. at Booker T. Washington Night School, but mm-hmm. Booker T. Washington High School Night School. Uh, grandmother taught at Thomasville Heights. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were AKA and Alphas graduates of Clark University, Clark College, or both of my parents. And so growing up in Atlanta, I saw uh, community service, I saw church, um, I saw business owners of my grandparents, a grandfather bringing me up Martin Luther King Jr. Drive to Pascal's and just the community. Uh, everyone knew people's names when you walked into Pascal's. Mm-hmm. My grandmother banked at Citizens Trust Bank and they said, you know, oh, Mrs., you know, uh, you know, how can we help you? And it wasn't because they were looking at her checkbooks to see who she, you know, right. see her, see her name, but they knew her when she walked in. Yeah. So that was um, my experience with community. Um, but I must back up to say that I actually am uh, in that wave of just, you know, as I'm thinking about it in that, in my grandparents' home, you know, 1963, you know, I was a young, ch- you know, um, child hearing and feeling the energy in the house change when Dr. Martin Luther King Mm. was assassinated. Mm. And so not realizing that I was going to be a historian, Mm -hmm. I hated history in high school, actually. Wow. I went to um, Marist. So again, Uh I was a, the beneficiary of the civil rights movement and being able to go to an all white school. I was Mm -hmm. one of eight African-Americans out of 900 in the high school. Wow. Um, but being uh, at Marist and, you know, being raised Catholic, you know, uh, you know uh, went to St. Paul of the Cross, was confirmed there. So just part of the neighborhood. But my grandparents were Methodist and Baptist. So I would visit Friendship, Baptist Church. I would um, go to Central United Methodist. And so... It wasn't a matter, again, of which church you went to, but that you were of the faith. Uh, And more importantly, it wasn't if I was going to college, it was where. Right. You know, so those were the requirements of growing up in in my family's household. (laughs) Nice. So that, so though, and and we were scholar athletes. So I was Mm -hmm. active. I was the first um, girl to play on the all boys soccer team of nice. course, you know um they didn't have girls soccer uh, right back in the mm, that year when i was <laughs> <laughs> when i was there um, but um but it wasn't about i wasn't doing it to set a record it mm-hmm. was more i just was a young kid had dreams enjoyed right soccer and i wanted to play mm-hmm. and i didn't ever know the um the meaning of no 
you can't do it. Mm. It was, you know, if you, it's something you want to do, then my parents taught me and trained me to go after it. And those were the those were the principles of our household. Um, you know, yeah. And in within those principles, was there any kind of advice that you received from someone in the community that either mentored you or that you grew up with that still resonates to you with you now to where you are now creating and continuing the legacy of the black history Mm -hmm. that you have already experienced and witnessed um i would say my my grandparents um Mm -hmm. i was a daddy's girl i was under um i was the only child for five years so Mm. and the first grandchild gotcha uh so my grandfather named me candy so it is an official name now but it was a you know nickname growing up and my grandmother would always say be as you know as sweet on the outside you know as you are on the inside Mm. you know and that um, resonate always resonates with me. So it's not about the name candy, but doing good and seeing parents and grandparents getting dressed up, going to fundraisers. At the time, I'm like, oh, they look great. They're, where are they going to now in their tuxedo and dress? Uh-huh. But now I understood that they were uh, culture workers in the community, raising money, um, doing you know, uh, teaching Bible study, you know, helping kids learn how to read. Um, you know, after school programs and who, you know, and I didn't know what Thomasville Heights was, but mm-hmm. you know, now I know that it's, you know, that that wasn't, um, you know, a, you know, the best community mm-hmm. um, and opportunities for kids. But here was my grandmother, all her years retired from Thomasville Heights mm-hmm. as an elementary school teacher. Right. Uh, and then again, my grandfather working shop and night school, helping uh, folks get their GED and uh, learning a trade and even today, my mother, um, who finished Price and was um, mm-hmm. a queen of you know of, of the high school, and then was a majorette at Clark Atlanta, mm-hmm. I would see her parade down you know um, Martin Luther King Jr. Drive, right? Uh, and the street was community, it, and it is community now. Yes, and so that is what's drawn me to my my given passion right now so it's not even work it just feels like something i do and want to bring the community back to those those hallowed grounds and sites of african-american memory so that everybody knows when they walk by yes right now it's boarded up Mm -hmm. and it looks dilapidated but there's so many good memories yes um and we we have to somebody's got to take a stand and raise the money and get the resources together to make um Martin Luther King Jr. Drive, the best Martin Luther King Jr. Drive in the world. Absolutely. And you spoke on uh, culture workers, Mm -hmm. right? So uh, there may be a lot of people out here in the world that don't understand what a culture worker is. Could you explain the, the essence a little further about culture worker and how that moves us as a people today? Yes. And I would say it's the essence of who we are as a people and how we um, how we move in community mm-hmm. and with it's it's so in us it's not even almost something you can define and so finding the words um, right you know or can be can be a struggle but I'll tell you this much again if you look at Atlanta University you look at our 
campuses. Right, our, our layout, right, our, uh, the university center. The university center, but again, the oldest building, 1869, four years post-emancipation. Mm -hmm. uh, we are building stately mansions to education. But before those educational institutions, there were praise houses, there were sites mm. of worship, mm -hmm. and whether that religion was in uh, indigenous coming from Africa, um, you know, many of us were uh, had practiced Muslim religions, uh, but then were converted to Catholic, you know, or to Christianity, uh, coming to the United States and throughout the diaspora um, of breaking us before we had to come to the U.S. in this right. in 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 this uh, long history of enslavement. But throughout that, there was resilience, there was perseverance mm -hmm. and resistance. And through religion, sometimes we melded our African religions with Christianity. The uh -huh. saints of Catholicism became very familiar to us and we mixed that. Um, or, you know, in Christianity, we, uh, we I'm actually researching with artist uh, Charmaine Minifield the Praise House Project uh -huh. of these praise houses. Um, in enslavement, we were allowed to build churches on the plantation mm -hmm. um, to practice and worship um, versus having to go to a white church and, and sit up in the balcony, right. uh, separated from, from, from the white Christians. Uh, and so throughout this research of praise houses, of music, of religion, to the smells of how we cook, mm. um, how we dress, mm -hmm. uh, all of that, the color, you know, just our whole love of bright colors comes from Africa. So that is culture. And so whether we realize it or not, whether we're working through the church mm -hmm. or we're working to educate each other uh, by building those institutions to even how we do business right. um, is, is very similar to business deals in Africa in the marketplace. Mm -hmm. uh, and so uh, I spend a lot of time with my students um, at Tuskegee now uh, with the black aesthetic classes. Right. Again, teaching them about those institutions and how do we you know, put a handle on how do we paint that mm -hmm. makes it, you know, we look at it, is it black? Because we're a black right. um, of African descent painting. Mm -hmm. uh, but there are whites who paint black subject matter. So how can you tell the difference if you don't know the race of the of the artist? True. So, and but e and to the point of even writing uh, that we, and, and I would say in answer to that question that mm. I've asked, right. um, that really it's about access. So someone can can talk about an HBCU as someone not of an HBCU, but mm -hmm. if you're of, if you've graduated, if you've gone the f you know the four, sometimes six years of getting out, you have a love for the Greek life. You have a love for going to chapel, uh, yeah. you know, and so, the, you know, again, religion is, is still very how we sing, the call and response. There's a whole right. list of things that make our black aesthetic, that make us who we are. That poses a question. So sure. now the question is, there is a, when you, when you talk about, you've been in both, on both sides of the coin when it comes to institutions, mm -hmm. PWIs versus HBCU. You've seen the best of both worlds, but 
the HBCU experience, would you say that the what you have explained just a second ago mm-hmm. would basically bring to bring to us the essence and in explanation of the HBCU experience? Because a lot of people, a lot of uh, a lot of African Americans, all of us say, "Hey, there's nothing like the HBCU experience," and you have to get a dose. Of the HBCU experience, if you haven't already, you at least have to get that experience once in your life, even if you haven't mm-hmm. haven't been, even if you're already graduated, you have to at least give it a shot, give an HBCU a try. So now it's like you've explained all of this, and that's just uh, the minuscule portion of that experience, it's but it's a wide variety. Oh sure, it's. You know, it's the you know struggling to get registered for class, <laughs> uh, you know, getting your financial aid. Are you you know getting kicked out of all your classes dropped and then getting enrolled? And so by the time you you walk across that stage, you are again doing the hallelujah praise dance because you're like I made it. <laughs> Absolutely, and you know it's so interesting when you say that. Now you're a part of that history and continuing the culture of the historically black colleges and universities forward. Now to you, your HBCU experience, what was the most, what was the most historical part of the HBCU experience that you, that you have witnessed in your time at an HBCU? Um, there, there are several, but I'll, I'll name a couple in, in that I will lift up, uh, Dr. Daniel Black, who just had a book signing last night, uh-huh. um, wasn't able to attend, but I'm going to uh, get the book and go to the next one, Black on Black. And mm. Dr. Black's course on the black aesthetic um, made us get up and learn, lift every voice and sing. I must admit, again, from that mixed PWI to coming to an HBCU experience, I barely knew the first verse of of our black national anthem um but knowing the words of all three stanzas is that critical to how can you be black you know the you know the national anthem but you don't know your own uh and so that's what he taught me um Mm. in my black aesthetic class at clark atlanta university i'll back up and share that where i decided to go to school was a result of, of course, my grandparents uh, and parents are Clarkites uh, and wanted me to go. But I, you know, now look back and I was like, wow, that was that must have been very painful for my grandmother to hear that I was like, you had to go to Clark. I don't have to go to Clark. And I chose elsewhere. Mm. But I always, you know, but in my educational experience, loved all of my schools. Yeah. Uh, and even at, you know, so at Emory, their stories of the, you know, you know, so I pledged there, pledged Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority mm-hmm. Incorporated. Um, and, but the <laughs> black table in the cafeteria was an experience. But mm. I, it wasn't until I went to University of Wisconsin, Milwaukee, mm-hmm. uh, was a graduate student on a, on a full ride scholarship, um, hadn't left Atlanta, so didn't appreciate black leaders in politics didn't appreciate us running the for city. anything wow you know, that we could do or be anything we wanted because we're in atlanta and you know you you know it's not a no 
because of the color of your skin. Mm-hmm. Got up to uh, what I thought was the progressive Midwest, and it was a different story. And so I actually became more active uh, and a culture worker in Wisconsin, working with the Black Student Union as a graduate student. Mm. Um, for the wrote for the newspaper, um, you know, um, looked at braids, didn't know about Adinkra symbols. Worked with a uh, the Black History uh, Claiborne Benson um, was a dear friend. Started a photographer that started the Wisconsin Black Historical Society Museum, mm-hmm. uh, and I worked as a registrar there. So it was a really a wonderful experience. Um, less the the very first snow was more snow than I had seen all of my life. <laughs> <laughs> so I was I was a an ast- harsh winters. Yes, mm-hmm. I was an astu- <laughs> student and got out of there in two years because I was. And, and because the Olympics were coming as well. Ah, gotcha. And so I was ready, you know, so I got up to Wisconsin, to Milwaukee, and they were like, well, why are you here? We're trying to get to Atlanta for, you know, for the Olympics. Mm. Uh, but I came back with a renewed spirit of working uh, in Atlanta because of, because of that. And, and from there, went to a National Black Arts Festival, saw all of these artists. So here I am, an art historian mm-hmm. uh, by degree, but... I said, well, you know, I'm working at the Carlos Museum. I'm seeing all these artists. But when students came into the museum, there was no one that looked like them uh, giving the tours. And then when I went to the National Black Arts Festival, um, there was some program with artists, and they were bemoaning the fact that they were not in the canon, you know, that they weren't in books, mm-hmm. uh, that be, um, the art discipline was not represented black artists mm. and that I was like you know okay God you know they're stepping on my toes and I need to go back and when I looked at where I wanted to go um, the HBCU experience and coming back to Clark I learned more and the professors were so um, had such high expectations of you as a student mm-hmm. um, and it wasn't a matter of of excuses mm-hmm. because they knew that when you get out into the real world, mm-hmm. um, as they say, when you walk in, the race walks in with you. Hmm. And so you better be ready. And the HBCU experience prepares you for that. Absolutely. Can, I, I want to go back to uh, your impact in Milwaukee for a second because <laughs> you touched on something that even in two years you made an impact because you said – you thought you were going to the progressive Midwest, and then when you actually experienced it, when you touched down, mm-hmm. it seemed more of regressive Midwest. So everything that you thought in heading there was not the same experience that you received. However, you put together programs and put together initiatives that created change and that change continued to resonate leading to powerful growth so that in itself I have to give you flowers for because the things that you did there and I'm sure other people joined you in that effort as well in the initiative but also have to give you I'll stop you just for say I appreciate the praise but I joined them Mm -hmm. so it wasn't me coming from the Atlanta, coming from Atlanta, teaching them something. They had it together. They had the newspaper. I just volunteered and offered my skills and services to mm-hmm. the cause. And so we always have to remember, 
and this is you know even now as I'm working here with um, the the project in April, uh, the neighborhood associations mm-hmm. are have been here long before I was even born, and the strength of community is there. I'm just bringing my skill set to help where where it's needed to build community and to me that is a culture worker it's not i'm waving my my flag saying i did this Mm -hmm. uh, but what have i been taught and put in and purposed really you know um a higher calling uh, an esther experience for just such a time as this these are the things that i have um gained and experience Mm -hmm. and skill sets and I'm bringing them to my people to help where where I plug in and fit in best. And and of late, it's been in the grant writing experience. Mm-hmm. So, you know, all of those Marist experiences and Emory and Georgia State to then come to Clark Atlanta to then put my writing to the to the benefit of telling the story of the Neighborhood Art Center and Maynard Jackson's impact yeah. on Atlanta, cultural politics mm-hmm. in Atlanta. The city that we see today is that mayor that made the difference, that Maynard Jackson and uh, the late Bunny Jackson ransom as his first lady. So I also, in this history, as they say, history is a current event. Mm-hmm. We have to go back and lift the women. So yes. right now... You know, again, it's been the history and it's been all told by one side of the black men. And they've done great things, but they didn't do that alone. And so we've got to go as historians, as female historians, black women historians, go back and fetch it to do that Sankofa work of remembering the women and their work uh, for the movement mm-hmm. um, and 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 lift up those stories yeah we yes that's right we talk about the men of the the movement and moving the culture forward so much that a lot of the women tend to get overlooked but we cannot overlook our women women were working as well you may not have heard as much but it was all like you could say behind the scenes but when you actually lived it it was in front of the scenes it's just their stories need to be told and it's not even just um, a sixteen nineteen experience. Women, we are from a matriarchal society, mm-hmm. and women were doing it um, back in Nubia, mm-hmm. and Kemet, yep. Africa, the continent writ large, to coming to, as they say, to coming to America, as yeah. the movie would say, yeah. Absolutely, absolutely, and it's forty. It's forty-five. That means fifteen before the top of the hour. But I want to switch gears for a second. You're also founder, president, chief, founding president, chief culture officer of Culture Centers International, and it devotes. It's devoted to historic preservation of African diaspora corridors of memory. Talk a little bit about that. Sure, and thank you for. Uh, Culture Centers International, again, is about remembering the past to understand the present to change the future. And so we do historic preservation through the arts of African-American corridors of memory. Mm -hmm. Uh, Most importantly, I'm starting with Martin Luther King Jr. Drive. Mm -hmm. But we partner with Auburn Avenue and also with Ralph David Abernathy. So in the historic preservation field, there's this um, cadre of Main Street projects. 
And so if you think about, you know, uh, or rural area, Main Street, all the businesses were on the street, and that was where people would come and transact business. Church might have been on there, your, your first Baptist, your first Methodist, whatever those streets were on that Main Street, right. Main Street in, in your community. In the urban environment, and because of America's history of segregation, our main streets were often urban main streets. And yeah. those urban main streets, again, in Atlanta, are the historic Sweet Auburn mm-hmm. corridor. Uh, but as we grew here on the west side, the West Hunter Street, now Martin Luther King Jr. Drive corridor, is our corridor of memory. As right. I've shared with you earlier, the Paschal experience, yes. the Citizens Trust Bank. Mm-hmm. My uh, grandparents worshipped at Friendship and Central United Methodist Church, Friendship Baptist. So you, if you take a drive down Martin Luther King, you mm-hmm. see churches, yes. you see restaurants, and you see educational institutions. Yes, we do. That's what makes up a Main Street. And so uh, bringing historic preservation dollars and recording stories, uh, co- you know, because it's not the building, it's not mm-hmm. the built environment that's community, it's the memory um, that we have to you know, record mm-hmm. and um, transcribe, create books, create films, create, you know, podcasts, all of the yeah. great and wonderful things of today. You clearly hear right now that this, this is an intergenerational experience that has to happen between, again, my grandmother told me, I'm I'm asking elders in the community, and I'm also bringing students in to learn to who know how to work cameras and drones yeah, right. and you know and and do all of the the fun technology stuff uh, to lift up. I see Martin Luther King Jr. Drive as a sort of Walt Disney experience. What was it like to walk down that road? Mm-hmm. Um, in segregated times, as I've interviewed people, wow. you know, the golden days of segregation mm-hmm. was not about white versus black. It was really about, oh, we were circulating the Black Wall Street. We were recirculating right. our dollars, you know, seven, ten times over mm-hmm. before it got out of our community. And we've lost that. And so some of that needs, you know, so that's what uh, rebuilding Black Main Street and Culture Center's International's work is all about uh, collecting oral histories, uh, writing grants uh, mm-hmm. for the preservation of our historic um, sites of memory, uh, but more importantly, those um, bringing back um, economic redevelopment to the corridor. Mm-hmm. So again, it's not a place where you bemoan uh, going. Uh, you don't want to, you know, get groceries because oh, I'm worried about getting shot or you know, or getting robbed. But how wow. do we work together with community yeah. mm-hmm. uh, to bring it back to where this is a, a hallowed ground and a place of, you know, of pride? And, you know, it, it's so thank you so much for mentioning that, because there it, there lies a stigma when it comes to the Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevards, parkways, drives. <laughs> You know, the only MLK that I've actually seen that wasn't, it was more of a downtown rather than an, it running through a neighborhood, but more so the center of a city. I've, so far, 
I'm, I don't know about everywhere, but I've seen Charlotte, North Carolina. Second Street is now known as Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. It doesn't run that far. However, it's literally in the center of town. So it kind of shifts that paradigm to where, hey, Martin, it, it just shifts the dynamic that says, well, you know, Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard or Drive or Parkway, however you name it, doesn't necessarily have to go through a black neighborhood. It can go through the biggest financial sector in your city. And that's what I saw how Charlotte, North Carolina did it. And we had leaders that were in motion that made sure that it wasn't a renaming of Freedom Drive. It it wasn't it wasn't basically it didn't fit the normal stereotype that we have in our heads. Winston-Salem, Martin Luther King Jr., Winston-Salem, North Carolina. What does Martin Luther King Jr. Drive do? Well, guess what? It goes through our neighborhoods, predominantly black neighborhoods. Baltimore, same thing. I mean, everywhere you go, the stigma is that, oh, if I see an MLK, I already know our people live in that neighborhood. But then Charlotte did it differently because we had leaders in position that said, hey, look, no, let's reverse. Let's reverse the trajectory of this of this stereotype. And I'm wondering if there was some historic event that happened on the street that was related to Black history that made them want to name it there. True. And, that, you know, so that's that's typically you know the the Black history and how it is today and why we're we're dreading it is because of these economic factors. The reason why we're call their calls for reparations. Mm-hmm. Um, are not because of how it looks today, or, or I'm sorry, are because of how it looks today, but the street and why it was named that, this was a... And why we chose that particular roadway, right. It's because it was a thriving, prosperous community at one point. Right. You know, but because of economic factors mm. um, that are, as they say, when there's a coal the black community catches the flu, <laughs> you know, so, Ooh. you know, so though that's what's happening. And Ooh. we, if we look at these communities again, through a, through a main street economic redevelopment model that has, that is proven tried and true in other communities has brought back, you know, rural, you know, ghost towns and brought them back to thriving. People want to, be in communities. They want to sit out on the sidewalk, have coffee, you know, so coffee shops, going to, you know, what used to be Alex Barbecue right. or to Pascal's, these restaurants, and, and having a good time and being and knowing, okay, here's where I can catch the mayor and the city council folks because they're coming to get some good food too. And, right. you, you know, you can make transactions or, you know, it was the the corridor was our golf, you know, where, where the other communities go and golf to get those transactions done. We, we went up and down our street and made it in the restaurants. So if you look at the Pascal's history, mm-hmm. you know, not the past, you know, and it is not the current one, not the current the street, one, but, yeah. the, but the historic Pascal's mm-hmm. on MLK right. uh, was that place. And that's where busy B is next, uh, is next, next to, to it, next yeah. to busy B. Right. And it was a, you know, it was a motor lodge. It mm-hmm. had a jet la carousel, so all the jazz and oh, and integrated wow. audiences were listening to jazz on MLK because you couldn't go to the hotels downtown. 
you. So I just I, it's so funny you say that because I took a long look at that building last night and just kind of imagined the history of this particular building, mm-hmm. a motor lodge. You know, you could drive under it and come out the other side, but also in the same token, wow. What history took place in that building? So much, yeah. And it right, and uh, you you just sit there and just kind of reflect on it, even if it was before your time. You wonder what had been there before that time. Now I'm sure a lot has happened, and I know we're five minutes to the top of the hour. We got to close the show, cause <laughs> but I do want to jump into something real quick about the. Uh, can West I just side. can I just share one history? Oh, you sure so sure can. The, the yeah. Selma to Montgomery march was planned at that Paschal's. So again, we have to remember Martin Luther Whoa, King was here in Atlanta. That's right. The Selma to Montgomery March start was the planning of that with SCLC and um, um, all of the other civil rights organizations. They were meeting in the Paschal's building uh, to plan that march. That That is huge. And that is that's, that's a huge moment in our history that and that led us to where we are and the opportunities that we have today. So that that's a major one. Thank you. Thank you for that. But I uh, want to touch on real quick, the uh, West Side Mural Project. Talk about that real quick. So we have um, Ruby Doris Smith Robinson, whose uh, mural is right where uh, the McDonald's is on the corner mm-hmm. of uh, MLK and Joseph Lowry. Mm-hmm. There's another mural uh, on the Lowry side going towards Charles Harper um, Park. And the uh, Harper was the first principal for Booker T. Washington High School, mm-hmm. which is about to celebrate its 100th anniversary in 2024. So Absolutely. stay tuned. Congratulations to them. But that m- the mural on the side of the SNS um, sundry shop is, says Dream. And it's yeah. a mural of, of Martin Luther King. Uh, it says dream he's on a crown it's um but it's a beautiful um depiction of community members music um couples young kids family uh and i saw it and it just inspired me uh to uh, reach out to the artist Mm -hmm. uh share that you know culture centers international was a nonprofit, and that we wanted to do something uh, for community, and could we use his artwork? Mm-hmm. Um, he agreed to that, and so from there, we have now in our planning the I Am the Dream March uh, for a- the Days of Remembrance of April 4th to April 9th of mm-hmm. this year. So, coming up, uh, remembering the ass- assassination of King uh, and all that went, went on, we'll be interviewing those who marched. 55 years ago mm-hmm. in the funeral procession that came down from Ebenezer mm-hmm. uh, to Harkness yes. uh, Quad on the on now the Clark Atlanta University Morehouse Spelman campus um, because again in 68 there wasn't a big assembly place where we could go because we were still fighting for civil rights mm, uh, so it was the AU, right. it was the HBCU campus that was the place mm-hmm. and so we want to um, we're working with all of the neighborhood associations. Mm-hmm. Um, the, it's the week of spring break for the APS system, but we will come back to the campus and have a Dream Steam festival so that kids can learn about drones, they can learn about podcasting, yes. they can learn about um, robotics, 
mm-hmm. uh, art, you know, so all of the science, technology, engineering, art, and math mm-hmm. careers um, that are available to them. Because again, we have, we are the dream. So it says, I am the dream that Dr. King talked about, but we still have work to do. We have issues yes. of gun violence, homelessness, economic injustice, and educational inequalities. And so those four plat- pillars are the platform of the, of the march. And again, getting folks to come out, get involved, go to www.iamthedreammarch.org for more information. Absolutely, absolutely. Dr. Tate, wow, um, we need more time. Because <laughs> we, we didn't even touch on what, um, the work that we're doing with Fountain Hall exactly. and Morris Brown. But it, it's all part of the MLK Corridor Project. Yes, it is. I mean, so much history to talk about. And like I said, we give you your flowers in just making this history happen. You know, from from even then, your HBCU experience and just your college experience and ju- really your experience of your whole life you've been about how can we move the culture forward it was it's it's generational keep moving the culture forward and the initiatives that you have going now continue to push us forward and so thank you thank you thank you for doing everything that you do in this community and i think all communities around will will also say thank you as well because it's not just atlanta that will see you but the world sees you as well. That's so, why it's international. So we're working why. with the world. And thank you to the situation for uh, getting the word out. And we love uh, partnering with you on all that we do. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Dr. Tay, where can everybody find you, follow you, and possibly donate to the cause? So culturecentersinternational.org is our website. And we're on all social media. Absolutely, absolutely. Dr. Tay, thank you so much for being on with us this morning. Really appreciate it. Um, Just absolutely amazing the history that you've provided us today. Like I said, there's not enough enough time to get all of the history crammed in one particular segment, but we do what we do. As they say, we're Black History 365, but this is just the start. Love it, love it, Dr. Tate. Thank you so much.